Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everybody. It's Marian Bailey with the Hip Senior Podcast. I am your host. Today, I am here with Polly Latofsky. We are talking about publishing books and how to get started, where to go with it. Do you self-publish? Hire someone to help you with that? Because I think they say, Polly, what's that magic number? 87% of people want to write a book. According to the New York Times, 81% of people want to write a book. And and so I thought then out of that 81%, how many do? And it's like 0.083% out of that 81% actually write a book. Isn't wow. that interesting? Yeah. yeah. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks, honey. Glad to be here. Yeah. I've been with Hip Senior Books. I've been dealing with a lot of authors and a lot of your authors actually as well and recommendations and amazing people. It's opened up such an amazing world for me of, of meeting so many different kinds of thought thinking people out there the publishing world is just it's a little world right it's amazing it's they're inclusive and they're they accept people and it's broad it's all of those things all in one big lump sum and the people are just amazing to work with but they're very unique as well and on our my end I, i've discovered that publish that authors are great authors but not necessarily great marketers and so when it comes to marketing their book and finding out how to do these things, they need people in their corner to help them with that. And that's where you come into the picture, right? We do. We help them figure out who their market is and who to market to. But do you know that there is not a publishing company in all the world that will do your marketing for you? That is a big fat myth. And people often want to go with a big traditional house because they'll do the marketing. No, they won't. No, they won't. And they never have. And I'll tell you the reason that I started my own publishing company, my word publishing over 10 years ago now is because I made every mistake in the book with three different types of publishing and made all the mistakes. The one mistake I did not make, I am glad to announce that there is one mistake I did not make. And it must have been the first paragraph of the first book I ever read about publishing and that I never expected anyone else to market my book for me. Nice. Because you're, I know what people are thinking right off the bat. Well, Michelle Obama isn't out there marketing her own book. J.K. Rowling isn't marketing her own. Yes, they are. And that's why they get- Why do you think they're on talk shows and book signings? And I've seen Michelle Obama. She'll just show up like random bookstores talking to people going, yeah, you should buy that book, whatever. And they're like, wait- And that's why they get the big bucks, literally, because they have that platform that is big enough that the publishing companies will throw money at that book. Right. So they get the big advance. But you got to be, you got to be big. You got to be well known to expect that kind of service out of them. I know that when people, I know we're going to talk about the different options in publishing. So let me jump ahead a little bit. When people say, I don't know if I should go self-publishing or traditional publishing. I'm like, you have a choice. (laughs) 
when you go traditional publishing, first of all, your chances are way less than 1% that you're going to get a deal today. And this is not necessarily fair, but I heard from a panel of agents, literary agents, that even when they come across a book that they love, it's well-written, it's great. The first thing they do is go onto the social media of that author and see what kind of social media platform that they have, what kind of following. And if, it, if they don't have 10,000 followers on Twitter or Instagram, right. then, and then they, it, hits, it hits the... Uh, the trash can. Oh, wow. It's how it's not fair, but that's where it is. Okay. The traditional publishers, what they're doing is they're investing in you. They're investing. That's why they give you money in exchange for your story, your copyrights. And then you have to earn that back through royalties. So it's an advance on your royalties. You right. see what I mean? So it's their investment. So, so when yeah. people think social media is an important, yes, it absolutely is. Yeah. It, I, Unfortunately, because some of us just think for the sake of mental health, you should probably get off it. <laughs> but if you want to sell a book, you want to get a deal with a big publisher, then you've got to have that big following. To which I argue, then, if you have a big following, you don't need a big publisher. Exactly. And you make 10 times more, literally 10 times more money. Yeah. It's a double-edged sword, right? Or do I develop this for myself? And absolutely. Even if they were marketing for you, you still want to have that social media following because there's so many reasons that is advantageous to your business as an author, right? Yeah, it's a math equation. I see it as yeah. a math equation. So for example, let's say you got a $20,000 advance okay, from a big publisher. Okay. And for a first time unknown author, first of all, you probably wouldn't get a deal anyway, but nonetheless, let's say $20,000. And that's an advance on your earnings, your royalties. To get that $20,000, you need to go through an agent, and that agent gets, let's say, 20%. Uncle Sam is taking 25 30%, okay, depending on the deal. And you actually get, say, $11,000 out of that 20000 but you have to earn back 20000 It's a math equation that, that is not a good deal for authors anymore. It's an antiquated system. and. We grew up, and anyone listening to this podcast grew up in that era that you get a big advance, and then you're off and running. Right. It's a different world today. So we have every tool available to us to run alongside any New York Times bestseller anymore, because what's happened in the publishing world is that they are going out of business and merging and downsizing. And so the people working in those, the editors and the layout designers, cover design, they flooded into the self-publishing world and have gone freelance. So you can't, you still have access to that kind of quality and skill set. And you can create a book that can run alongside any New York Times bestseller and make four to 10 times more, depending on how you publish. Okay, that's fine that you brought that up because I was going to, I was jotting down a note to ask you about that. And I don't know, now's the time that to ask you this or wait until you get into it. But I, and this is purely my personal speculation that I heard or read on some of the sites that I belong to, that if you self-publish, say through Amazon, that 
being on the number one bestseller on Amazon or whatever the case may be holds no um, water to being like a number one bestseller on the New York Times. I would agree with that. Here's where I'd come out on the Amazon bestseller is that it's not a scam, but it is a game. You got to know how to play the game. You got to know how to work Amazon's algorithms. And there are, say, three definitions of bestseller on Amazon. Three definitions. One is number one overall. Seven and a half million books on Amazon, you hit number one. Okay. I would beg people not to fall for that. If you pay us $20,000, we'll get you number one on Amazon. Uh, stop it. No. Okay. Then there's number one, which is top 10 in any category. So one of the strategies is that you want to niche down your category so you can hit number inside the top 10. And if Amazon sees the top 10 as a bestseller, what that does is kick you into another gear according to Amazon's algorithms and they start working on your behalf. So I don't call a bestseller the top 10 in Amazon. I just think that's horrible. Right. And but it's a strategy to get Amazon working for you and work those algorithms. Right. right. And then the third definition is to hit number one in a category. Is it anything to brag about? No, it's better than being number two, three, four or five, but still is it's helping the strategy to get Amazon to work for you. It's nothing to brag about, let's say. Okay. All right. So let's jump into the meat of the stuff. If someone wants to write a book and maybe they have a manuscript script for it and they just don't even know in their mind, they haven't talked to you. They don't know the pluses and minuses of going with a publisher or self-publishing or hiring someone like you to help them figure out what their strategy is going to be. So where do they start with this and how do they start doing that? And what are their options? Okay. So people come to us two different ways. Usually one is that they've already written the manuscript themselves, right? which we handle one way. And then the other way is if someone comes and says, gosh, I have this story to tell. I have this idea. Usually it's, it's a personal story, a memoir. Of something big that happened to them. Is that the majority of books these days, memoirs? It's a good portion. Yeah. Memoir and self-help is big. Self-help is very big. <laughs> I find What's some say about the world, but I find some self-help books and some caregiving guide books out there for seniors, stuff like that. Like some of that stuff should be memoirs. Just if somebody tells you that, take that to heart or throw it in the trash, whatever you want to do with it. But consider that because sometimes some people shouldn't. But that's a whole different story. So yeah. Yeah, and that is something that we talk to them about. We have to explain what memoir is versus self-help that tells personal stories. Right. Okay? And so a memoir would be something, I explain it like there's one arcing storyline and, and you don't break character to say, so this is what I recommend to do. Then you're moving more into self-help. Okay, self-help has some bullet lists and resources and what they suggest to do, that's self-help. But there is something that falls in between there as well. It's self-help slash personal journey. So that would be a book, say, about working with dementia. Okay. It's, it's not quite a memoir because they are giving advice. But it's, say, that person's personal stories that they're referring to. So there's almost three different versions, memoir, self-help, and something in the middle, which is self-help slash personal journey. It's a hybrid. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But yeah, we got carried off in another direction. But <laughs> yeah. So if someone comes to us and they have not written it, but they have an idea, I beg them, like I will chain myself to their ankles and beg them to please work with a writing coach. 
because a writing coach can get them off in the right direction and help you structure the story. Okay. Okay. And then once they're done structuring the story and then get to what we call first draft, then you head into editing. And if someone has already struggled through your man- their manuscript by themselves, usually they're first-time writers. This is the direction I went. I struggled to the manuscript. I had never written a book before, so what do I know? And then I got done. Then you have to you, you get what's called a developmental editor. And that developmental editor is a structural editor. These are professional story builders. So now you got to restructure your book, which is almost a rewrite. If you've started with a writing coach, they've already done that structure. So you can skip the development. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, when I say, please work with a writing coach, everyone thinks automatically, oh, well, that's an additional fee. No, it's an instead of fee. <laughs> You know, if you're working with a, a writing coach or a developmental editor, with a writing coach, you not only get to skip a development round, but you have someone to talk through things with and an accountability partner, frankly, shoulder to cry on. Because when you're writing, let's say a memoir, there are, if it's a memoir worth writing, there's always a tough point in that story. Where you need to go deep and you need to be vulnerable. And so you need to talk through that with someone. So it's good to have a writing coach. So I'll get off that soapbox. But anyway, please work with a writing coach. It took me six years to write my book. Because you don't know what you're doing. You lose motivation. You get that writer's block. So for if I'd had a writing coach, I could have done it in a year and then been out selling it for five more years. Do you see what I mean? So there's that. But the first move people really should make is to understand the differences in your publishing options. Do you mind if I go over those? There are four basic options in publishing. One is traditional publishing. And that the pros to that are that you don't have to pay anything for it. You get paid. Although, honestly, pretty darn minimal when the math lays out. Okay. okay. But make no mistake, they own your copyrights. They own the decision making. I talked to a friend of mine who got a deal with Penguin Random House 20 years ago. She got $20,000. And again, $20,000 is the advance, but everything comes out of that. So she ended up getting $12,000. Again, she has to earn back twenty. So how do you earn it back? Through royalties. It's called an earn back. you got to earn back that royal that advance check before you get in another payday. The estimate, the percentage of people that never get paid again after that initial advance is in like 83 to 86 percentile. They don't ever get paid again. So you've given up all your rights, your decision making. What if you don't hit that mark? What if you only earned 10000 Does the purchase exactly. company suck that up or do you have Yeah, to- they suck right. it up. Okay. They suck it up. I have heard stories of publishers that make you pay it back. I don't have that confirmed. I've only heard stories. So there right. you go. Because I would imagine that they probably only give out advances in a book that they really believe is going to earn in addition to that 20000 Exactly. And that's why they have to be very picky and so they need someone with a platform that can go sell books okay okay 
So that's, I'll tell you, let me tell you my story. This, this helps. I'm, I'm not like pimping myself. I'm just saying, you know, it helps to explain the story. So I had a dream my whole life to go walk around the world. So I go walk around the world at age 37. I headed west, walked around four continents, 22 countries, took five years. Okay. Then six years to write the book about it. And I handed my manuscript off to a crooked publisher. And I don't want to pretend that big publishers were throwing themselves at me, but I had a pretty decent platform at that point. I'd been on 2,000 news outlets, including CNN International and big players. I was talking to a couple of bigger publishers. So I don't want to pretend big publishers were throwing themselves at me, but I was talking to two of them. And both of them said they like the manuscript, but there's no romance. Could you throw some romance in there? I'm like, there was like, well, we just make it up. (laughs) And they agreed that if you could just take some literary license, be creative. She's a loop. This is going to be tough because they have control over it. I just decided that I needed to tell an honest story, even frankly, when it makes me look bad. When I lost my temper for no good reason, when I overreacted to something, when I couldn't accept part of a culture, or even when things make me look back, I had to tell an honest story. So certainly I didn't want to throw romance in there when there wasn't any. So I didn't want to go that route. And the self-publishing route was starting, but it still was really a bad option. So I went with what's another option in publishing. The second option is the small indie house. And these are usually ma and pa shops. And we love Ma and Pa, but Ma and Pa ain't got no money. And they're certainly still not going to help you with your marketing. And they were using terms like hybrid publishing, partner publishing. I'm like, oh, I love those words. Those sound swell. And we're going to sit in coffee shops and talk about which direction this characters can go. And, and that wasn't at all what it was. Here's the bottom line when it comes to the small independent publishers or hybrid partner publishing. You're sharing royalties and it's for a lifetime. There is no end date to a publishing contract. And this is one of the tough lessons I learned. It's like a marriage where you sign on and you don't take vows to an exit date. (laughs) Although maybe that's coming, but it's a one-way street. So You're getting into a contract you can't get out of without a lot of screaming and crying and attorneys and money. I unfortunately signed a contract and learned a lot of horrible lessons. That's what I based my model on, which I'll get to in a second. The third option in publishing is really what people know is vanity publishing. I'm not crazy about that term because I think anyone should be able to get their content out into the world. But it's a professionally known as subsidy publishing, meaning you're subsidizing it and you get to be under this publishing company's name. I won't name them, but if you were to Google how to self-publish a book, these are the ones that come up. Okay. And that would look like packages. The silver package includes this and the diamond package includes that. I beg people to be very careful of that because one of the tough lessons I learned, learn from my $15,000 lesson if you could. You need to own more than just your copyrights. Yes, I want people to own their copyrights, but there are more rights than that. And one major one is what's called sales rights and distribution rights. That means 
that whoever owns that ISBN on the back of your book, the ISBN is that 13-digit code that represents your book. And within that 13 digits is represents a portion of... There, you're showing it to me now? Yep. And there are three digits within that 13-digit code that represents the publishing company. I don't want anyone else to own that ISBN of yours. I want you, the author, to own that. Not me. Not anyone else. So that's sales rights, distribution rights. That means that all the sales go through them and then they take their portion of the sales and give you your portion of the royalties every six months. Now, where does that ISBN number come from? Who? I know that if you like self-publish through Amazon that they can give you one. But they can give you one that is an option. And right. it's free. Right. But all ISBN roads go through what's called Belker. Okay. So you can buy one or a packet of 10, a packet of 100 or 1,000. So let's say Amazon has purchased from Bowker probably millions of ISBNs. So if someone, if you use that free ISBN that, that KDP offers you and someone were to scan that barcode, it comes up as published by KDP. And they're, they're the authority of the ISBN is what you're saying. You're the congressional library, basically, of holding these ISBNs. Yeah. Okay. There are reasons to get the free one from KDP. That would be... How much is the not free one? Say it again. How much is, if you just bought one, if you're just going to do one book, how much does it cost to buy an ISBN? $125. Okay. And then it would have all your information on it, including your publishing company that I want you to put your works through. Yeah. So when it comes, coming back around to that subsidy publishing model, if they have their ISBN and publishing company name on the back of your book, Polly doesn't like that. (laughs) Polly... Speaking in the third person, Polly doesn't like that. I want all. I feel our- like you're about to start asking for some crackers. I don't have any available. I'm sorry. Polly does want a cracker. Anyway, so I want everyone to own their own ISBNs, and that means really your sales and distribution rights. I want you, the author, to get paid your royalties every month, even if it's one penny. I do get a penny royalty if I've sold an ebook in India. And with the exchange rate, I get one penny. It's very funny. But so these subsidy publishing companies, again, that's the third option in publishing. The, the pros are, I don't even want to call it a pro, but I get it. I get it. I went through that journey where I saw them and I went, oh, that's handy. I just, it's like a menu. I want the cover and I want a layout and I want editing. But the the cons are serious so you don't have those sales and distribution rights half the time you can keep your copyrights but what good are the copyrights if you don't own all these other rights and that's my fifteen thousand dollar mistake own your own isbn anyway the fourth option in publishing then is to do true independent publishing where you the author start your own publishing company which is a sole proprietorship is just fine and it could be an llc but we talk to authors about that. And and okay. the fourth option, right? Yeah. And the fourth option in publishing is true independent publishing. So that means that everything goes through your publishing company. You start a publishing company that could be a sole proprietorship. It could be an LLC. We would talk that through with you. 
And then there's the fourth option in publishing, which is true independent publishing. That means you are your own publisher, and that's what you use to put all of your works through, your own business. Therefore, you can get your own custom ISBN, and royalties go straight to you. You have final decision-making. And there is not a reason in the world why you shouldn't true independent publish today, where you have all the tools available to you that any small independent press has or that subsidy publishing model where you can make more money and you keep all your rights, not just copyrights, but sales rights, distribution rights, foreign rights, digital rights. And do you know there's actually a right that you sign off on in a publishing contract that says that the publishing company has rights to any service that may come down that doesn't even exist now. 20 years ago, that would have been audiobooks. Oh, wow. Yeah. You should own everything. And the tools are available to us today to get into worldwide distribution. And you have all the final decision making and all the rights and the royalties going straight into your bank account, et cetera. After I made my big, horrible mistake, I thought, what the heck do I do now? I have a story that's worth telling. But how do I do it without having to make up stories about romance or splitting my royalties and my rights or subpar services? So I went to this two-day class about this thing called self-publishing that was starting to rumble. It was about, what, 2009, 2010? And so I went and I just, my whole world blew up. It was like, wow, you can do this on a very professional grade and own all your eyes. I'm all over that. So. I went and republished my own book and, of course, made more mistakes because that's what I do. <laughs> that was my mojo. So are we getting along? That's what that's too. <laughs> and then, of course, learned a lot of lessons and launched my book under my own publishing company name where I could make all the decisions, etc. You don't even know that you want to make all those decisions. You're like, I don't want to make all the decisions. And I get it. It's It's overwhelming, that learning curve. But believe me, you do want to make some decisions. You don't want anyone else to make those decisions for you. Right. So for two years after that, I was helping people with their books. Now I'm creating spreadsheets and charts and lists of people to work with every step of the way in timelines for people, meeting them at the Panera. And because I was watching as authors were making the same mistakes that I did. And back then, Zoom and Skype and all that stuff wasn't as widely accepted as far as meetings and stuff. So you were having to go out and meet them and stuff because people were like, ooh, don't want to do Skype. That might be show people I work from home. God forbid. And what? Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. And I was meeting people upwards of three times a week because people were lost and making the same very bad, expensive, even dangerous mistakes. Dangerous in, in that you're giving your rights away to your life story without even knowing it. I started my word publishing and I remember this woman called me. It wasn't unusual. I was meeting with people three times a week and she said, listen, I heard that you could help guide me through this self-publishing process. I said, yeah, meet me at Panera. I have a proposal for you. And I said, I've been doing this for two years. I've done it for my own book. I've done it for my mother's book, but I have never managed someone's project. Would you be my first beta test girl? Because I want to start a company doing that. And I want to see how it would work if I managed a project. Essentially doing everything that a publisher does. 
but I maintain no control at all. No rights. Okay. Okay. So they've decided, all right, I'm going to self-publish. Where do I go from here? What I know there's Ingram, there, there's Amazon, all this stuff. All these names are getting passed around in different groups on Facebook and stuff like that. People are still confused. How do they decide where they're going to publish their, what service to use, what keeps them the most uh, rights? I know I have one client right now who has a book. She published it through Amazon. She wants to contact like old coffee shops and, and small bookstores that still exist in her area and say, hey, would you cover my, carry my book in your store? How would someone like that, where do they start? They've, maybe they've published through Amazon. What do they do? Okay, I want to talk about saying that you've published through Amazon because they are not your publisher. You are your publisher, your company that you're going to start. Okay. And you go get your own editors and your cover designers and your layout designers and you get the perfect files. Okay, wait, and, pause that thought for one second. Okay. And so in this course of conversation, I also want you to talk about Cover art, do people judge a book by its cover? Okay. Groovy. Yeah. So you're the publisher. So what does a pu publisher do? Can we talk about that for a second? A yeah. publisher is a producer of books. So what does a producer do? The producer is someone who puts all the pieces together. They get the right people involved. They check legalities and timelines and budgets and make sure everyone's working cohesively and you come out with the best product. So that's what a publisher does. And so they're putting together the pieces of the project. Right. So that's what you're doing. And then you're using Amazon's KDP for distribution and printing. They're not your publisher. Okay. The publisher is who puts it together. So you use them, you upload onto KDP. Okay. And you use them for, again, your printer, that's your printer, and your distributor, just to clear that up. Okay. Or you can use Ingram Spark to be your printer and distributor. And there are all the debates. Girl, I know the debates. I've been on the panels of yeah. who's better, KDP or Ingram. And uh, they have their pros and cons. And I can have that debate with anybody. Bring it on. But I usually side on KDP for a number of reasons. <laughs> okay. But it's, oh, geez, who should I date, Liam Neeson or Harrison Ford? It's Right? And delicious. Both of them probably have their pros and cons. Now we know Polly's types. Yes, please. <laughs> Son of my way. Anyway, so you want to talk about cover art? Is that where you want to go? Yeah, I've seen some books out there. People think, oh, the cover isn't really important or whatever. And the saying, don't judge a book by its cover. But I've read statistics that if people look at a cover and they're not interested even in the cover, if it doesn't intrigue them, that they're probably not going to read the backside of the book or even start to read or purchase the book. I have never heard anyone say that it doesn't matter. It is your number one marketing tool. Yeah. Number one. So there are shortcuts you can take. You could do a book for nothing today. You could produce a book for nothing today. Is that a good book? I guarantee you it's not. But if I understand budgets and wallets and things like that, but there's places you should not take shortcuts and getting a proper cover designer is one of them it is your number one marketing tool okay and it it has a job everything on that cover has a job the title has a job subtitle has a job the color and graphics and the design elements all have a job to do get a professional and 
the professionals are anywhere from, say, 350 to 950. The bulk of professional cover designers fall in that area. Can you get more or less? Yes, you can. But that's the bulk of where you're going to find professional designers. Yeah. What about some of the AI artwork type websites? Can someone go on there and create their own? Yeah, they can. They can. Again, is that going to be a good, is that where you should take your shortcuts? I don't think so. I don't think so. I want to be clear, too, that we, we get this a lot. I already have the cover taken care of. I guarantee you, you don't. Just so people get this mixed up all the time between I have cover art with the cover design. Cover art is only a piece of it. What about the rest of it? Where do you put the title, subtitle? Is there a series name? Do you have an endorsement? What fonts do you use? What colors do you use? Where do you put these elements on the cover? So the cover art is only a piece of it. Do you have that cover art on the front cover only? Does it wrap around the spine onto the back? Let's talk about that. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So a lot of times people will say, nah, I got the cover taken care of. I'm like, well, I guarantee you, you don't. So let's talk about what that means. <laughs> and, then, and another thing for that is if you're going out there and you're choosing things on the internet to put as elements to your book that you think, oh, I'm just going to take part of this picture and part of this picture. Trust me when I tell you, I have several friends that are photographers. They know their work. And so if you are cut and piecing things together, don't because you're going to get sued. Yeah. Yeah. That's don't, a, steal, don't steal artwork and, and photos from the internet thinking nobody will know because trust me, they do. Exactly. Just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's uh, fair use. And, and it can be so, reverse looked up. You can put a photo in Google and reverse look up photos and it will show like everywhere on the internet that photo is being used and that's how a lot of photographers also track down their stuff stop using other people's artwork whatever it is oh gosh we get that a lot here's another legality that we have to watch out for as a publishing coach we have to watch out for is when people are quoting other authors in their book and they're like i cited it it's not a college paper that you're making a profit off of. Right. If you're getting paid for that's the difference between a college paper and now putting it in a book. Citing it is not good enough. Okay. You need to get permission. Now, there are exceptions. Exceptions are, let's say you're quoting an author from their book. No, you can't do that. And the author isn't even the copyright holder. So you have to get permission from the copyright holder to use any content that's in someone else's book. But let's say that same author is giving an interview and says something. You can quote that. Okay. Book without permission. So the copyright law is all over the board as well. What if the person is dead? Uh, they have to be dead for X amount of years. <laughs> you know? And what happened with their, again, they might not be the copyright holder. Just okay. because they wrote it doesn't mean they're the copyright holder. It would be, say, the publisher. And where do those copyrights go after they die? People quote ex-presidents and all this other stuff and whatever but like you said check with somebody and make sure you know what you're doing because you don't well, want to get sued the thing with copyright law is that it's rarely black and white rarely it's black white and then gray is the huge part in the middle it's all gray 
So did you know the happy birthday song? Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Happy birthday song just, uh, what, three, four years ago became available for free fair use domain. It hasn't been. So that's just a really interesting. All these people have been violating copyright for thousands of years singing happy birthday. However long old. Yes. So one of the black and white things is you don't use lyrics. Don't use lyrics that is black and white. You have to get permission to use lyrics. Okay. And they will come after you. And they um, have more money than you probably as well. And the gray area. And lawyers. You can use the name of the song and the name of the singer, but you just can't use the lyrics. Okay. So you could be writing a romantic scene and say, oh, is Paul McCartney's Yesterday in the background? Or give an opinion of that song or talk about part of that song that you connected with, but don't quote it. Exactly. Okay, got it. So there's all kinds of gray area in there and there are some black and white things. So there you go. Uh, Copyright law is crazy. But it's something we do get all the time and we have to watch out for. And frankly, we tell authors that in our very first consultation, heads up. If you have this kind of thing in your manuscript, you might want to go in and clean that up before you head into editing. Clean it up means get rid of quotes and then you can paraphrase. Let's say in Michelle Obama's book, she says, quote, I love oranges, end quote. That's quote. But you can also paraphrase. It's widely known that Michelle Obama loves oranges. Obviously, I'm making this up. (laughs) maybe she does we don't so that's a paraphrase and you can paraphrase but coming full circle back to something you are talking about is the thought leaders we get this a lot where people want to be thought leaders but they quote all these other people in their books no if you want to be a thought leader have your own thoughts come up with your own thoughts you've learned from all these people but cumulatively they have given you a new thought process. So that's what you should be sharing as a quote unquote thought leader. So I'll get off that soapbox. <laughs> but we get it all the time. Okay. So somebody so going back to where to public where to put your book at. Okay. So what are some reasons why people would not want to use Amazon? If you want a specialty item, so let's say print on demand is what flipped the publishing world upside down. Print on demand is literally what it says you printed on demand. Everyone has probably, whether they know it or not, ordered a print on demand book. It's automated digital printing. You find a book on Amazon, you click it, and they print it and ship it. So gone are the days of the five, 10,000 orders from big offset printers, and then you got that many books sitting in your garage. And right. of course, then you find a typo, right? So print on demand, flip the publishing world upside down, and that's what KDP and Ingram Spark have to offer. Look, the, the limitations, the cons to print on demand are that you can't do any darn size you want. You can't shape it like a pumpkin. You can't do a board book. You can't do anything outside print on demand, which is you can't do spiral boundings, spiral bound. You can't do hardcover with a a jacket in the front pocket. You can't have embossed lettering on your cover or textured cover. You get the basics. Now, there's plenty of basics. 
I think there's what, 10, 11 trim sizes to choose from, but you get the same cover stock and you, your paper, you get white or cream. What do you want? Those are your options. Right. For most books, self-help, memoir, fiction, nonfiction, narrative, creative, nonfiction, et cetera, they're all fine for that. If you want to do some children's book shaped like a pumpkin with a feather coming out of it, you can't do it on print on demand. Okay. So then you have to print your book. You're still feather on demand. What? You can't feather on demand. That'd be awesome. <laughs> what color feather do you want? So then you got to go to the big offset printers and then they have minimums. So okay. yeah, more of an investment. Yeah, more outlay. So someone might argue, then you just order more and then your per item cost comes down. Right. Yeah, it does. But oh, I tell people all the time, you don't order in bulk unless you get a bulk order. So don't go order 5,000 books until you get an order for 5,000 books. Then you go make that order. Unless so if, you do, if you do, if you order 5,000 books, then you're out there peddling yourself to the coffee shops, the bookstores, uh, the small independent bookstores, right? Um, all those places, health, little different, putting out a table, selling your book. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And, th and there are some other options. You can still get it on yeah, Amazon. Which are bad things, right? They're a way of marketing yourselves. Right. Bad things. But as long as people understand the differences. So there's two ways to get a book up on Amazon and one is print on demand that we've just discussed. Right. You get your editor. You have your cover designer, your layout designer that creates those files. We upload onto KDP. Someone orders it. Amazon sends the order to KDP. They print it and ship it. Okay. You don't have to do any of that. Your royalty comes dropped into your bank account every month. <laughs> But there's a second way to get it. If you have a specialty book, you want spiral bounding and you want embossed lettering on your cover and you want the feather, uh, then, I then want the feather. you have to go get an offset printer. Now you have a pile of printed books and then now you have to go create a seller account on Amazon. And pros and cons to that. No, there's, I don't know if there's really any pros. The pros are, I guess you can do whatever book you want without any limitations at all. I guess that's a pro, but you don't get to be in worldwide distribution. But then you have your options with that. You could mail your books to Amazon and have them ship them out from Amazon, correct? You can do or that. You ship yourself, right? Yes, exactly. But when you say just ship them to Amazon, it's not quite how it works. They send you a purchase order. For X amount of books. And I've done this. So this is super annoying. They decide how many books you're going to send them. So they would send orders of three. And then two days later, can you send us six more? Two days later, can you send us three more? You're like, can't you just once a week? But no, you have to go by that system. They send a purchase order. And so you're off to the post office all the time. And and, and then they take. They Even take, if you ship them, you'd still be doing that if you sold them from directly from you or from your website or whatever. People could legitimately skip Amazon, and I've seen it happen, Ingram and everything else, and just sell from their website. They could. I, I have gotten this occasionally. I don't want to put it up on Amazon because they take so much. They take 40% like any bookstore does. And look at all the benefits you get. Click of the button, you get into worldwide distribution. Right. They have all kinds of promotional materials. And it's a search engine. Amazon is a search engine. So if you know how to work that search engine, how many people 
are on Amazon every day. So I'm like, I beg you, please sell it on your website. Sure. But don't give up Amazon because they take so much. Any bookstore in the world can take 40 to 50 percent and they take 40 percent. Yeah. So I just don't want to have to hassle with packing them up and selling them out. I've shipped stuff that I've sold before. I don't want that hassle. It's a pain. I would rather oh, list it yeah. on my site or and link it to Amazon and have them take care and of. have them do it. And then what's happening is because it's a search engine, um, every sale you get starts working on your behalf. And as your ranking gets better and better, they start firing up that Amazon engine, marketing engine, and okay, let's, for you. Let's talk about some rights, though. What rights do you lose? To your book when you upload th- or, yeah, when you upload through Amazon? You don't lose any rights. Okay. No. Uh-uh. It, there are some exceptions to that. So here's an example, just to be thorough, is there is a free tool on KDP that you can do your own layout, right? It's called Kindle Create. You download that software. You put in your book. You lay it out yourself. And when you use, whenever you hear the word free, that's coming at a cost. And the cost is usually in limitations or skill set to some degree. Okay. Okay. So when you hear this free tool to do your layout, yes, it is. But when you're using that Kindle Create, you can only distribute your book through Amazon. Okay. Okay. So that would be, I don't know if you'd call it a right, but that's the reality of that software. So that means now, let's just say hypothetically, you get an order of a thousand books. You can't take that book then and take it to another printer where you can get priced down. You see what I mean? And I want to respect that people are on a budget or people have, they want to do it themselves. Just know, be very clear when you hear the word free, it's coming at a limitation. So make sure you know what that is. There are design limitations and you can't take that book off. You can't take that file off of KDP and print elsewhere. Okay. So what are some of the benefits of Ingram versus Amazon as far as just an ordinary book, just print on demand type stuff? The biggest advantage to Ingram Spark is that they do hardcover with dust cover jacket. So KDP started doing hardcovers about a year ago. So they started that maybe the summer of 2022. Okay. But they don't do dust cover jackets with it. So if you really want a dust cover jacket, then we got to go with Ingram Spark. Yeah. Okay. So here's what you're going to hear in the debates. Bring it on. Is that, <laughs> is that <laughs> when you're with, when you're with Ingram Spark, you get into the Ingram distribution channels. Ingram Distribution is the parent company of Ingram Spark. Therefore, you get into X many more stores and bookstores and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that sounds great. But here's the rest of the story. This is hard to explain, so I've never come up with a succinct way to explain it. But when you're working with KDP, there's a button you can click that says expanded distribution. Do you want expanded distribution? I wish that button that says expanded distribution would just say, do you want to get into the Ingram catalog? Yes, please, because that's exactly what it is. So through Ingram, 
you click on the expanded distribution and you are into Ingram. Oh, interesting. I didn't know yeah. that. Okay. So there you go. And the other argument is when you go through Ingram and therefore you get into all these other channels, then you have more access to more bookstores, more blah, blah, blah. Okay. In theory, I guess that's true. In practice, 74% of people buy their books on Amazon. They don't buy from any of those other places. I say statistically 74% of people buy their books on Amazon. Okay. But in my world, meaning all the colleagues and the authors we've worked with, we say, how many of you are, I ask them, how many sales have you made on Amazon versus Ingram's catalog? And I can answer this for myself. I will make maybe 10 sales on Ingram for a year. Okay, so let's say 1%, 2%, if not less than that. All my other sales are either direct to consumer or via Amazon's channels. So I don't care if they hit another 10, 20,000 distribution partners around the world. Nobody's buying from those. So that argument is not intellectually thought through. All of my colleagues, I sent a note to everyone. I had, we have a Facebook group. I said, can you guys tell me what your sales are from Ingram to KDP? And it's always the same. Next to nothing on Ingram. Okay. So that's one of the arguments. The other argument is that Ingram doesn't have a, a customer service department. They literally got rid of their call center. Oh, nice. Yeah. So if you have a problem, then you have to send it through this messaging system. And sometimes you hear from them inside a week and sometimes inside a couple months. Okay. So that's just... They didn't ask me. They should have asked me about what I thought about that. (laughs) But We noted. You got a question. You got through Polly. And there are exceptions. There are definitely exceptions of why we would use both. So we work with an author. uh, Everything is collaborative and custom designed. So I'm not against Ingram, but it usually comes out that the best thing for that author is to go through KDP for a variety of reasons. But I don't have any great gripes against them. So if that's best for the author, we certainly do it. Okay. So back to my scenario, somebody wants to do their own promotion. They're doing their own marketing, maybe with the help of, I don't know, a friendly hip senior person, but they are doing their own thing. They're contacting coffee shops. They are, they're having, they're doing speeches out there. They're going out there and they're doing talks. They want to set up a table afterwards to sell their own book. They've self-published. How do they get those books to take with them to events? Do they order them off Amazon at the author pricing? Is that how that happens? So here's what they could do. If they're a speaker, they would go on to their KDP page and order their author copies, and they would ship them straight from KDP to whatever hotel. So they don't have to log them with them. Yeah. Yeah. And just FYI, here's a little statistic that I'm telling you, it's down to a T. You will sell 
if you're talking in front of the right audience, you will sell about 20% of the audience. So if you're speaking in front of 100 people, bring 20 books with you. It, no. So that just helps so you don't have to ship them back again and carry them with you on the plane and all the rest of it. But also have business cards or a flyer or something to give to those people in case you run out so they know what book they're looking for online as well. Yes, I had a sign-up sheet. So if I ran out of books, then they could still purchase it from me. I said, I'll ship it out tomorrow. So or they go to Amazon, purchase them from there or whatever. The other thing is also be aware that if you are ordering the author books, that it does take longer to order books from as the author than as a consumer. Yes, I've ordered books. I have a password book that I have for senior citizens. It's cute. It's got a golden retriever on the front. And I know that it, it took me 10 days to get a copy of my book where if somebody goes on, they might get it to, tomorrow or the day after. So it does take longer to get your, your own book. So if you're doing an event, make sure that you prepare in advance um, and leave way for earthquakes and, and mother nature. Because um, sometimes that slows them down in shipping stuff these days as well. All right. So let's wrap this up. So your services. If people want to talk to you about the best way to do this, I will put your contact information down below so people know where to find you, Polly. And they can hop on Zoom and just have a free Q&A session to find out if they're a good fit for you. Yeah, we would set up a consultation and you can go to mywordpublishing.com and, and set up a free consultation. But there are a couple of things that make us different. And one is that we give you all rights, royalties. Again, we're just your project manager through it. We do everything a publisher does, but we don't maintain any rights, royalties, and we customize each package or each, sorry, we customize each project. We don't do packages. Packages never work. They just never work. You go to the McDonald's, you're like, I want the number one, but don't put the sausage. I'm making that up because I don't go to McDonald's. Another thing that makes us different is we don't do contracts. Okay. That was the thing because if someone doesn't like us, I don't want them to have to stay with us. Now, we do an agreement. You got to understand what we said we'd do for you and what your role in this is. But the contract you can get out of at any time for any reason. And frankly, we can, too, if you get abusive with anyone on our team. And, oh, gosh, if I could just brag a second, as we just got recognized into the U.S. congressional record for their for our publishing model that disrupted the established publishing world and helps authors maintain 100% of all their rights. Just please remember that copyrights is just one of many rights that you need to maintain. And yes, please talk to us. One of our missions is to save authors from very expensive, even dangerous mistakes. So please talk to us. Absolutely. Polly, thank you so much for sitting down with me, straightening things out, candid conversation about it. I loved all of it. So I hope, if, like I said, if you're considering writing a book, check out Polly, check out our website, mywordpublishing.com. And if you have any questions, meet them below. We'll be happy to get back with you on those. So Polly. Thanks, Marianne. Thank you do great work. Thank and you so much. I appreciate keep that. Keep it up. Okay. Right. Thank you. Have a great day.